Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Are you tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? Well, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Just watch me love myself That's all I want Got what I want That's all I want I'm not sorry I'm Claire Fallon. And I'm Emma Gray. And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about reality dating shows like The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows and we can't live without them, but we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to a post-Bachelorette finale bonus episode of Love to See It. Now that Gabby and Rachel's joint season has limped to its inevitable conclusion, we finally get to like take a deep breath and talk about some off-screen chatter. Yes, today we will be covering a lot uh, of post-show goss uh, and mid-show goss that we never got to. We'll be talking about Eric's blackface photos, Gabby's response to them, the show's lack of response to them. We'll be talking about more insights from Rachel on her breakup with Tino. We'll be talking about Tino's dad's podcast debut and Caitlin Bristow's savage commentary on our upcoming Bachelor, Zach. Plus, we're going to get to finally preview Bachelor in Paradise season eight because somehow it's like about to happen. I mean, wow, the franchise content treadmill truly never sleeps. It doesn't stop. It's just exercising all the time. So let's start with a topic that we have been waiting to kind of address more in depth because we haven't done like a gossip episode since the news came out and we've been trying to keep the recaps more focused on what's on screen. So it's time to talk a little bit more about Eric's blackface photos, which surfaced toward the end of the season. As we did mention on the recaps, there was a yearbook photo from 2011 of Eric in high school wearing a full blackface costume that leaked shortly before the finale. And um, he posted an apology not long after on his Instagram, Mm -hmm. which left a lot to be desired. We'll get into that. It was a black square With the apology in the caption, his apology called his actions, quote, insensitive, uh, but it did not use the word racist. Um, 
we have mentioned this and we want to reiterate it here. This apology is not for non-Black people to accept. Um, We saw a lot (laughs) of... (laughs) Predictably. Predictably of what seemed to be white fans accepting the apology and thanking him for it in the comments. That's really not the place of... It's not our place to do. Um, So we want to really try to avoid that. Okay. But we are going to try to talk about the the apology itself the the critiques that have been made of it by um black people in and around the franchise who have you know very generously sought to educate the fan base about these issues in the franchise and um and just kind of like talk about gabby's response how the show has handled it and where that all stands right now yeah um we have been as Clara said, like super grateful to the generosity of black commentators and black show alums who have spoken really publicly about this, including, you know, the black chillerettes, um, highly recommend listening to their podcasts always, as well as two black girls, one rose. Like these are really essential voices in the commentary community. Um, also, you know, Rachel Lindsay has spoken about this and other alums like Thomas Jacobs, Ivan Hall, Damar Jackson. We are just really grateful to all of these people for even taking the time to address something that is just so obviously fucked up and racist. Yeah. And like to say that like it's not our job to like accept the apology or to be like it's time to move on doesn't mean that like we should just be silent. It's not our job to address it. Right. Right. It's, it is our job to address it. And I think that what we've actually seen has been kind of shocking to me is just how quickly it dropped out of the mainstream conversation. Like, I I feel like it seemed to blow over almost in, in a way that I did not expect um, because well, it's so I, shocking. That doesn't mean that no I one is still talking about show... it, but I feel like a lot of people were very eager to take the show's lead and be like, well, that's been dealt with and we're not really going to dig in. Yeah, I guess from what I've seen, and maybe it's just like my bubble of specific <laughs> Bachelor commentary and what I um, consume, it it hasn't felt that way. But certainly the show has been leading the charge and I think had sort of gave themselves a convenient out because there were all of these other sort of quote unquote scandalous conversations and controversies going on around both Tino and Eric. And they were like, well, we can skip this one, which was really bad decision. I have personally been heartened to see that a lot of people haven't dropped this, including, you know, official channels and and alums that are still very close with the show, including Caitlin Bristow, including Becca Kufrin and Michelle Young at, on the Bachelor-owned, you know, podcast property, Bachelor Happy Hour. Um, and so at Thomas also posted on his Instagram story. I uh, So that at least... I was glad to see that there are people still involved in the franchise that are actively countering the show's desire to just kind of sweep this under the rug and and move it along. Yeah. Um, I think before we get into that a little bit more, I wanted to talk more about the apology and some of the critiques mm-hmm. of it. Um, I should just read it. The apology. It's not yeah. very long. He says, quote, I wholeheartedly apologize for the insensitive photo of me in blackface from my high school yearbook that has been circulating. 
What I thought at the time was a representation of my love for Jimi Hendrix was nothing but ignorance. I was naive to the hurtful implications of my actions to the Black community and those closest to me and will forever regret my offensive and damaging behavior. I am deeply ashamed of my actions or by my actions and understand that my apology is only the first step in taking accountability. So, you know, I think a lot of uh, people were glad that there was a quick apology. Um, I know that when Rachel Kirkconnell's uh, photos came out of her at an antebellum party, the show didn't let her or asked her not to respond yeah. for quite some time and it, and it caused more harm. And at the same time, you know, I think Vic and my of the Black Charlottes in their um, responses have really emphasized the importance of naming actions as racist when you're apologizing for them. And that's something yes. that this very notably does not do. Um, and they, I think, very eloquently point out, and I do encourage everyone to listen to their um, their podcast about this, that accountability and ownership has to involve naming the specific harm. Because when you talk around it in this way, you are just protecting your own feelings, your own image. It's uncomfortable maybe for, yeah. for you to say, I was being racist. You don't want to bring that word into it. But then you're not really... Naming the cur- the the actual thing that occurred. Yeah, yeah. I think that a lot of white people, and I'm sure our, our, us included, feel a lot of discomfort around, you know, owning our own complicity in racism and our own racist actions. And I think that the reality of living in this society is that a lot of white people, whether or not, you know, you consider yourself to be a good liberal <laughs> who is aware of these things and definitely not a racist, that doesn't mean that you haven't engaged in racist behavior. And when that is brought to light, the only thing to do is to name it and to own it. And um, I think that what we saw with Eric is that he, he he let his discomfort mm. kind of take primacy over over naming those things. And it's interesting because in other ways, it seems like he is using a lot of the buzzwords that maybe he like looked into what a good apology would be and was like, I need to talk about accountability and I need to talk about like harm. But there is a very fundamental piece that's missing. Ivan and Damar uh, on their podcast, The Vibe, also had a conversation about this. And made a point about the black box, which oh, God. aside I, from they both were just like, oh God, not the black box, you know, cringe. That was my reaction to revisiting <laughs> that very embarrassing um and uh, disturbing 2020 trend. Um he Damar, I think, basically was like he's hiding. Like he he should have put his face in front of the camera to address this, just like his face was on camera in that costume. And it's uncomfortable, but, like, if you can be on camera in that costume, you can be on camera admitting to it, naming what you did and apologizing for it. And I thought that that yeah. was a good point. It's something we've we've heard brought up about, you know, previous um, previous issues like this, like with Hannah Brown. Yeah, and, like with Hannah Brown. Mm-hmm. That's something Rachel Lindsay spoke about mm-hmm. a lot around that. And I, I do think I part of that conversation prompted Rachel Kirkconnell did ultimately make um a video apology yeah so these are the the things that um 
that I think it's important for, you know, for a lot of people watching like us to, to sort of take away and internalize, um, and sit just, with and yeah. sit with. Yeah. Like the discourse around this can be educational. It's also very painful for a lot of people within the franchise. And, um, and so it's, it's important to be, you know, sensitive and also listening and, and the show, let's talk about how this, this went yeah, that, on the that show. Big, that big sigh felt appropriate, Claire. <laughs> I mean, we did address this during our recap of the finale, like our extreme disappointment and disgust with the fact that despite a three-hour finale with so much unnecessary filler, and like, to be clear, even if it had been a 20-minute finale with no filler, this should have been addressed, but it felt particularly egregious that it was left out more obvious how hard (laughs) they were desperately trying exactly to talk about it exactly um i think a lot of people were watching with the expectation and the hope that it would be addressed and yeah including several alums of the show right who were there (laughs) right and who exactly i was very interested that caitlin bristow went on instagram um after the finale and on her stories and she said directly that she, that their understanding her Becca and Michelle was that they were there in the audience in order to be a part of that particular discussion and so their mm-hmm. expectation was that this would be addressed and she expressed her deep disappointment and frustration that it wasn't yeah i will say that i'm not sure why caitlin would have been needed to be there for that necessarily but like yeah i think that we saw in becca's words when she did speak that she thought that they were there to have that conversation yeah um because she really emphasized how they should sit down gabby and eric and make sure that they share the same morals and values um yeah we felt that there was uh, a lot more underneath that statement and i think from what was said ultimately in bachelor happy hour which we will get into yeah. um we we can confirm that there was yeah. a lot more underneath that. A lot of people were waiting for this to be addressed. It wasn't explicitly addressed. It was only glanced, like obliquely addressed by Becca in this one moment. And what ended up happening was that during her round of press with Rachel, Gabby was explicitly asked about these photos a couple times or this photo. And on Bachelor Happy Hour, it actually was an extensive conversation. I think this is actually... I. Because it is a franchise property, I find this to be, like, it's hard to tell how independent the content really is, right? It's like, did the show on some level say, like, well, we just want that to be addressed on our official podcast with so we're gonna we're gonna punt that right, and not to say that I'm also that I'm not happy that they discussed it, but yeah, no, and I don't think any criticism is actually a critique of. Uh, the hosts of the podcast, but I do think you're making a good point in that, like, are they sort of punting responsibility for this away from their actual primetime franchise right? to not only this side property, but to Becca and Michelle to take the lead on and also for Gabby to be the one to answer for this stuff substantively on a press run in which Eric is not even there. Right. So you're like doubly punting it. Yeah, that's a good point. Eric wasn't even there. They they were having 
there are hosts who are women and one of them a woman, uh, a black woman. So, <laughs> and you know, they we know they love to do that. They love to have like Rachel Lindsay right. addressing racism <laughs> on her season while Chris Harrison keeps his hands out of it. They love to have to bring in Emmanuel Acho to deal with the end of Matt James's season. <sighs> they don't want to, I guess, stick Jesse Palmer into that position. They want to punt it off the main show out of his and, and out of his lap to Becca and Michelle. And then if people really want to hear about it, they can go seek it out. Just like if they really wanted to see that rose ceremony, they could go to abc.com. Like it's just God, it's Lord. insulting. Um, yes. And so I was glad that they pressed Gabby on this at length, but Eric should have been there and it should have been in front of the whole audience and not just yes. the listeners of this podcast. A hundred percent agree. Um, I will say that, yeah, I was impressed with the way that Becca and Michelle handled this. And I was really glad to see that Becca did not punt responsibility for pressing Gabby on these issues or even speaking about why this photo was so upsetting to Michelle. Mm -hmm. Um, and I do think that that was, that was a relief for me that Becca as a white woman really took the lead on being like, I'm going to do be the one to, to express how important and essential this conversation is. Yeah. Becca is in such an interesting position because we did see a lot of her own growth in this regard on yes. the air with, you know, talking about how her relationship with Garrett was was falling apart and how she hadn't really fully addressed the issues that came to light. Um, yeah, when he was coming off the show. Um, and so I think something that we saw is that even a couple years ago, um, you know, conversations about race and racism within the franchise were really kind of punted to to Rachel when the two of them were mm -hmm. um, were hosting this podcast. And so I was glad to see that growth on Becca's part. And yeah. her kind of stepping up and taking responsibility well, for being Rachel active. had to be that person right. holding Becca to account. Her accountable. Mm -hmm. Right. And then Rachel right. was like, anyway, and I can't do this anymore. I'm she's like, no, thank Rachel. you. Which like fucking fair enough. Fair, absolutely um, fair. But yeah, so so they did both Michelle and um Becca asked Gabby about these blackface about the blackface photo. And Gabby says, you know. At first, I was devastated. I had a pit in my stomach. I couldn't really believe it because I've worked hard to educate myself and become the woman I am today, which comes from wanting to push yourself, wanting to learn, taking it upon yourself to really grow. I know who I am, but I am with a man who did this. So then that's a reflection of me. It took me a long time to process. And Eric did write an apology, which is what he was supposed to do at the very least. At the very least. Did appreciate that she added that. Yeah. Um. She basically says, like, I'm still processing, but I did, I like, she's like, I did make the decision to be with him. So now this is something that I have a responsibility to speak about as well. Uh, I was interested that a lot of what she focused on was her role in, in teaching Eric. Yeah. And I, while I understand what she was saying and I, I do I think what she was trying to communicate, like what I glean from it is that she's like, I'm a person who finds 
like social justice issues to be important. And so it is on me to like impart that importance to my partner. Um, but I also would have hoped that that Eric had had learned on his own in the last yeah. what eleven years well, since I am since like, this photo. As as I keep referencing, disturbed by some of the other social media hints that like he is not in such a different place. Like the well, right. the twenty sixteen photo of he's tagged in with the the MAGA hats and some questionable follows he had. Like he doesn't I, I I'm concerned still that Gabby got through this entire process without asking him about his politics or his social views and that I do think he comes across as not that kind of guy. And so maybe you think, you know, he comes off as so sensitive and, you know, he, I think if you're Gabby too, you're like, well, I'm such like a strong unconventional woman. He likes me. Like I've fallen into that trap before where you're just like, oh, well, surely this guy that I like who likes me wouldn't be that guy. You don't ask. And then, you know, you really have they to. They still can be. Right. You have to. Pre- and I, I do think that this is where Becca's particular experience was really helpful in the conversation. And this is where she started to really press Gabby, which I appreciated. She says, you know, I was in a very similar situation. She never names Garrett. She keeps being like, <laughs> the person, the, you know, that, that, that man. person I chose, that man. Um, I was laughing at that. Yeah. But she's like, you know, I was extremely taken aback when I essentially saw Garrett's really offensive likes. Um, And she said she was thinking that she would give, quote, this person the space, time, and means to grow and change. But ultimately, in her situation, that didn't happen. And two and a half years down the road, she learned firsthand that the words and actions weren't lining up. And so she asked Gabby, do you think Eric is in a place where he's genuinely open to changing or growing? Or like, is he just saying this to appease the public? Right. And I thought that was a great question. Yeah. To appease the public and maybe to appease her. That's like, this isn't really going to affect our lives. If I just say the right things, then like this can be an issue that we don't have to deal with. And I can You can move on. The public will move on. And I, as a white man, will just get to like, you know, I did the thing. Yeah, I I agree. I thought that was (laughs) clearly a a question that came from painful experience. And um, Gabby says, you know, I... It's, I don't know. We're still in it, but I... Th- I was glad she said she said that, that yeah. she acknowledged, like, I can't fully vouch for him. Like, yeah. I think she's really trying not to be defensive and to be like, well, I know the man he is. And it, he, yeah. he's like, you know, she's saying basically, like, I will have to wait and the proof is in the pudding. But I think he's in a place where he wants to change. We talk about social issues so much because it's something that I hold very important and even before this came out, he knew what my opinions were and that I was going to push him on these things and that it comes with the territory of being with me. And I do think that's it's good that those conversations yeah. were starting to happen. I It's something that Greg and I talked about a lot when we were first in a relationship like you mm-hmm. you want to make sure you're on the same page with those things. And if you're if you're not on one thing, then you're like, well, let's really talk about why and like. How right. we can work I will on say that. that there's you don't have to be a hundred percent um, you know, on the exact same page about every minutia of every issue, right? Like there there is always room for learning, growth, reaching a point of understanding. But yeah. you do hope that on a large scale level that like the values Yeah. And I think you would hope that up. it's not, you know, she's in a position now where she's like 
I'm his teacher. I think I learned a lot from Greg too and from my, yes, my previous you boyfriend. Even, you hope you that hope you're it's both, an even exchange. Right. That you're yeah. not like with someone who's just like, I don't understand empathy <laughs> or why I should treat people well and you have to like haul them up. You know, that's not yeah. a good starting position. So hopefully those are actually good and productive conversations with someone who has moved past what we have seen from his past actions. Um, but yeah, I think she's trying to be quite realistic. She's like, you know, we, it's hard that how's our society still dealing with this stuff, but it, but it is, and there's so much work to do. And she says, like, if people look up to him as being a white man who's experienced privilege, but he admits his wrongs and wants to change and grow, maybe he can be a person that other people like him can learn from. It's optimistic. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I also always want to, like, shy away from being like, this white person can a become beacon. a role model by, <laughs> it's like the. Yeah, I, I yeah. would certainly not have used uh, the language of of role model or looking <laughs> up to i i think it is good to you know, model in a, in a, accountability right in a ge- and- exactly in a, in a generous reading you know i hope what she's trying to say is like perhaps people around him who may have engaged in their own racist behavior can learn yeah. to self-reflect people, if they people, see yeah. someone that that you know they think is like them Right. Not work. And like he has this platform that is part of his work is to model accountability and growth. And does that make him someone who's like up on a pedestal? <laughs> maybe not, but maybe uh, he no. can be no, no. Um, another source of of learning. Um, I was also glad that Becca didn't let didn't just sort of accept that at face value. And she did press Gabby again. And she's like, do you think that Eric is the type of person that will actually be having conversations about race and racism with his friends and with his family and with people in his community. And Gabby, again, is kind of like, I don't, I don't know. I hope so. Yeah. And she does, I think, which you picked up on, Claire, she says explicitly, like, what we've, what we're trying to do right now is simply come to every conversation without putting up any defenses. Yeah. And like, that's where we're at now. Yeah. Um, Michelle talks a little bit about her experience being a black woman within this very, very white franchise and the way that these things just keep happening. She's like, we're here again. We went through this with Matt's season. And she's like, you know, it's easy to say now that you're putting in the work, but after this all blows by, is he still going to be seeking out opportunities to learn? Is he still going to be putting that work in? Um, And Gabby is like, yeah, I, you know, that's important too. Um, She's like, I felt the same way. I was talking to some people and they were like, well, it's kind of blown over. And I was like, that is a problem. That's not a good thing. And she's like, we shouldn't just be like waiting for this scandal to blow over. We should be talking about it. We should be seeking out learning. Um, And I thought that was, I mean the right thing to say. Like, I don't, I I can understand why in her position she might just want it all to be over, but it's, it's important to be able to say, like, we actually do need to talk about this and not sweep it under the rug. Yeah. And I think Michelle made a good point where she's just like, you know, people, there is this tendency to be like, well, that was so long ago. Mm -hmm. And she's like, look, let's like be real about when this occurred. Like, yeah, it was 
you know, 11 years ago, but Obama was the president when this happened. Like she's like, I could have plucked a first grader out of a class at my school and they would know. Yeah. That that is not okay. Like, how does progress ever happen if you're always like that was so that was in the past? And so well, it it's very ca- convenient. It's like, in eleven it's, it's years, like Chris, this will be eleven right. years in the well, past. Well, it, it's like it's like what the Chris Harrison uh, conversation made so clear, right? Is like is like it's a very convenient uh, model for white people who don't mm-hmm. actually want to confront racism to just always be like, well, that was X amount of years ago, and it's like very conveniently. Whatever amount of time it was, yeah. that's a long time the ago. The goalpost keeps shifting up to like <laughs> right. whatever year we're in right now. Right. What I think like is really telling about the yearbook photo is not when it happened, but the fact that the school published it. I do think that is super yeah. revealing of the environment he was in. That no, exactly that the school administration published it's that. Extremely disturbing to me that it, that. Certainly, his like his, certainly Eric should have known that, and his parents should have known, and any ever anyone around him should have known that that is extremely fucked up behavior. It is another level and commentary on that environment that no one within that administration, no the teacher on the year, like who was leading yearbook, like none of the, no one considered like what the implications and harm would be of featuring that in a right. school publication like we're that talking is about like wildly so many, disturbing to me like basically every adult surrounding eric like he failed every adult surrounding him failed to prevent this from happening and right. there wasn't even the the recognition that it wouldn't be a good thing to memorialize in that yearbook so that to me <sighs> speaks to him coming from a place and a background that was was really racist. I mean that that was right. very white dominated and 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 racist. And so I I do think that more than the time period that that gives some like sense of of his upbringing and where this came from. I that's obviously not an excuse, but it it does give some like context to just like how pervasive that was in his yeah in his youth and i think that nate mitchell in his public comments yes um, did also call this out like he made very clear like i'm not excusing like i'm not here to excuse this behavior eric but like he did point out on instagram like the adults surrounding you and like your community really failed here and um yeah. That is a disturbing piece of this. And I do think, I do think relevant context. Yeah. And that, that's kind of the end of the segment that they do. Uh, she, she was asked about it also on Chicks in the Office, but well, sort of like it was mentioned and she was like, yeah, it, it was, but it was it, mentioned. Gabby it, showed up prepared, but like they didn't really, the host didn't really seem interested in, in pressing her, having a larger conversation. Yeah. Gabby was like, I mean, look, I'm, showed up prepared to have this conversation but i i don't know that she even said anything yeah because like they, they weren't engaging with her i don't think she really said anything that yeah is worth adding to, I mean, to what was said on happy hour yeah i'm not shocked no. that 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 the no. barstool pod did not want to dig in on that let's oh really let's say weird um but yeah so that's mostly what we what we got for this this week um i really really hope to see Eric address this on the Me mic too. 
very soon and either alone or with Gabby, but I want him to really have to address it and not kind of hide behind an Instagram post or, or, or Gabby. Or behind a, a partner right. that is better informed than him or a partner that is beloved. Like, right. I really want to see his him address shit. it. Like he needs to, he needs to own it. He needs to speak on it. And he also, he also needs to show that he is taking actions beyond, you know, a fucking black box. Like it's just, it's not, it's yeah. so beyond not enough. And yeah, I do want to give him the, space to do that because the show certainly didn't have an interest in it and i hope that that he has an interest in carving out that space and using his platform but um, yeah it's been an only time will really tell i the the double bachelorette thing i think also gave the show an opportunity Cover. cover to be like oh instead of sending our happy couple to do gma and, you know, Kelly and Ryan were sending our two bachelorettes, your favorite couple. And so they're doing all these media appearances that typically are done by the engaged couple Rachel and Gabby right. are doing. And I do want to hear from Rachel and Gabby, but she is with Eric. They are engaged. He needs to be at some of these appearances yes. speaking to his shit. So I hope we can that soon i also I we see that yeah i i also like don't want to talk about the text anymore because i'm just like enough <laughs> like do not yeah, waste I your don't. precious time with eric grilling him about whether he dated someone for two months before and wasn't like, nice I don't to her care. i'm sorry let's, like let's just I'm, move on from let's that just move on yeah so hopefully we'll see more on that soon and uh i think we should talk about rachel and avon because we did yeah. hear a little bit more on Chicks, on in, Chicks the in the Office. Yeah, they did. Rachel did provide some insight on her own reflections about her relationship with Avon on the show and and also um, Avon's feelings about that like deeply uncomfortable kind of crossing on the stage between mm-hmm. him and Tino. So I thought that this was interesting and Rachel, I think, said this also on Happy Hour but how different it landed for her watching herself and Avon back on the show than it did in the moment, like specifically his concerns or ambivalence about proposal. And I thought that this was, this made a lot of sense to me. You know, she says, watching myself back, it's insane how much you learn because like watching, I could see exactly what he was saying to me. But at the time I was like, he's just trying to get out of this. And I can see uh, why she felt that I can, way. Yeah, I really don't. Yeah. It's almost like one of those things that like, it's like hindsight is twenty twenty, sort of. You know what I mean? Like she only knows what she knows about Avon from right. being in these scenes with him on the show. Even watching it back as a viewer, you're seeing more of Avon. And, and of Tino. And of Tino. <laughs> or at least you're seeing, you're seeing different things. You're yeah. seeing things she hasn't seen. You're, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... You are you are also seeing how Avon has been since the show and how Tina has been since the show. And so you look at Avon and you're like, he's trying to communicate with her. He's being so caring. He really does care about her. He is genuine. But I can definitely see, and I said this at the time, why in the moment yeah. you're like, all like all I know is that 
he implied to me or said to me or what I thought said to me that he was ready to propose at the end of this. And then he's told my friend and not even to me. It's like, he's like, did he panic when he's meeting my family? And he's like, this is too real. Like, did he start to waffle? Is he like, maybe I just need to say the thing that will get me cut so I don't have to go through with this? Like, these are all things that a bachelorette worries about because it does happen or it seems to happen. And it makes a lot of sense to me why she felt that way. And then because he handled himself so well in the argument, I think that for viewers, you're just like, why is she being such an unreasonable bitch? But like, (laughs) she was coming into this with this really like strong concern. And just because he was explaining himself well, didn't make her feel any less panicked at the basis for it. She basically says like, like, I couldn't even really hear him because my walls had completely gone up because, like, my defenses had gone up because that's, it, it was just felt so confusing to me and, like, so upsetting that he had, yeah, said this to her friend. And she was just, like, there just wasn't space for me to interpret it any other way. Yeah. And, you know, it sounds like she and Avon have maybe talked some of this through in the recent yeah. Recent weeks. And she says, um, I mean, so I yeah. we it's been compared to him coming on stage and like sort of asking her out has been compared to Hannah Brown and Tyler after her breakup with Jed. I think it I mean, I think Hannah asked Tyler out. Am I misremembering that? Like she kind of shot her shot with Tyler because I remember that was part of her like feminist oh, queen thing yeah. was like, I'm going to be the be one. Right. And then he was like, yeah, then they got and- papped together the next day. It was like a whole thing. This was a little this this was a little different, obviously, because not only did Avon sort of do the asking, he also didn't really explicitly like make it a date thing. It was like, let's go somewhere and right. talk. Right. And I think Rachel clarified this. She she said, you know, Avon coming on stage last night really ultimately was just him showing his support for me. And anything that happens after this, it's going to be really organic and not rushed at all. It so sounds it sounds like she's to me like they want to date, but in a chill way. <laughs> she's not or, shutting. Or she's not she, being like she's no. not shutting the door. <laughs> but I think she is al- also doing the smart thing of like taking the pressure off of them. She's not like Avon came in and saved me, and now you know I'm rushing into a relationship with him. She's like Avon supported me. It wasn't explicitly romantic. Maybe there will be room for that, but like. We're like, calm down. She has not succeeded at all. I'm more excited after this because that to me sounds more real and less like a PR stunt. It does. And that perversely makes it a better PR stunt that makes me more interested (laughs) in their organic and not rushed relationship. I mean, I really, I really support it. You know, I love love. I feel very like we were really denied a lot of good uh, romance this season. Mm -hmm. And Look, yeah. and if I, it happens, I'll be thrilled. I do wonder if Avon and Tina were closer in contention than we thought. It's always yeah. hard because also I think that your perspective changes once your dream perfect guy has like cheated on you and you've dumped him. It's easy to look back and be like, I almost picked Avon. But that is sort of how she made it sound like that. I she also really see- didn't want him to leave. Like, I think that, and we were talking about this in our recap, just the fact that Rachel maybe let herself really be swayed by, like, external signs of interest. And so I could see a world in which she kind of had these guys 
Tino had the edge because he, he came in so strong and she almost like hadn't completely checked in with herself and her actual desires. And she was just like, I have to make the right decision. And like Tino is checking enough boxes to make him feel like the right decision. And Avon has now defied the one thing I really thought about him, which is that he was this like super safe, secure person who was like 100% ready. And I could see her completely like reevaluating that. Oh, she is clearly (laughs) reevaluated. Yeah, absolutely. So she also speaks to the fact that Tino was just on stage looking like a kicked dog when Avon came out. And Rachel's like, yeah, he had no idea that Tino would be on stage for this. And he was not happy about it. Like, that's not how it was supposed to be. Something that I really, I mean, I'm sure the production did want it to be that way, but yeah. No, I, I mean, it Rachel wasn't an accident. Didn't. <laughs> Rachel and Avon didn't want it to be that way. No, like they didn't send <laughs> Tino away and he just sat there. They were just like, well, right. that wraps up our segment with Rachel and Tino. And what's this? Here's Avon without ever like dismissing Tino. That was, I. That that's oh one of those God. pieces of producing that it's like, you don't have to squint at all to see it. That is the most exactly. obvious manipulated scenario. Exactly. Something I do really appreciate about Rachel is that she, in all of these press appearances, seems really conscious of, like, protecting other people in her orbit and who are involved in all of this drama from the audience. Except for Tino. <laughs> Except for Tino. And we, um, we will get to that. We will get to that. And, yeah, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we will get into the Rachel and Tino of it all and some other good news. If you want to bring coziness into your life, uh, and I mean, who doesn't, (laughs) turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially right now, because the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. And their products make the perfect gifts too. I would certainly love to be given something from Barefoot Dreams. I just acquired the robe and it is like the softest robe I have ever put on my body. It's so cozy. It's so warm. It's beautiful. It has a nice drape and weight to it. I wear it whenever I have the opportunity. I just want to wear it constantly. And I think everyone should have that kind of comfort and coziness in their lives. For Love to See It with Emma and Claire listeners, you can get 15% off of your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code LTSI15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams' soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes there will be something that is just like nagging at me, bothering me about something in my life, and I just swirl it around and around and around in my head and don't quite know how to address it. And something that can really help me sort that through and like take action is therapy. I completely agree. I've been really stressed lately because I've just been getting sick over and over again. And before I know it, I'm feeling a lot of emotions and I don't even connect where they're coming from with the actual origin. We all carry around these stressors, right? And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. 
Therapy is a great safe space to get things off of your chest and figure out how to actually work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash love to see it today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash love to see it. Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. <laughs> so important. I also just know myself. I I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party, can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender. I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some pretty delightful prices, too. Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, high Tyler Cameron, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. Plus, they're dedicated to really thoughtful craftsmanship that honestly stands the test of time and looks good doing it. Article offers fast, affordable shipping across the U.S. and Canada. Plus, they won't leave you waiting around. You pick the delivery time and they'll send you updates every step of the way. I have long been an article girly, like every room of my house my house, my apartment, you can see article furniture in. Most recently, we updated our balcony, you know, just in time. It's finally balcony season again, finally warming up in New York. And I have been out there with my coffee, sitting in the toady beach sand dining chair, which is a great little lounger for a small space. Again, New York City apartment. And uh, it just really like elevates our deck. That and the ottoman we bought to go with it. So comfortable, so chic. Also can withstand a whole lot of rain. So important. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. They're having their Memorial Day sale from May 13th to May 27th, which would be the perfect time to use your store credit on top of sale prices. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list, as they should, because it's very important. If that's you, then make this year the year you finally check it off your list. 
with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Wow, that is really fast. Their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning link... Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. I personally used Babbel before I headed off to Paris for three weeks, and it was so helpful just kind of giving me back the basic understanding of French, allowing me to interact with people in restaurants, in shops, and, you know, just not make a total fool of myself when in a foreign country. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash LTSI. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash LTSI. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash LTSI. Rules and restrictions may apply. And we're back. And... It's time to talk about what Rachel said about Tino on Bachelor Happy Hour. And I was so thirsty for more details about this because both of their conversations were just as confusing as that like nine hour overnight breakup conversation you had with your ex when you were 22 years old. And you just like the next day you're just like, what even happened? Nothing except for the (laughs) fact that we didn't understand what was happening and luckily, we got a little bit more clarity on some of the specifics from from Rachel. Yeah, not like a ton, but definitely some more. Not a more. ton, but like some, because we basically had none except like there was a kiss. There was a kiss. And there was a notebook. Like that's yeah. what I got from those conversations. Oh, that but on sounds Bachelor like it Happy could be Hour. so romantic. Um, so on <laughs> Not ba- the romantic kind. On Bachelor Happy Hour, Rachel talked about sort of how this all kind of unfolded a little bit more in the timeline, I think, and the details of what she learned a little bit more. And she does try to protect him a little bit. I will say like she, she is saying like, he's not completely at fault for the lack of communication. We had both of us, you know, weren't giving a hundred, we weren't doing our absolute best in that regard. But she's like, I, I will say I never wavered from committing, working toward this every day. And it's hard when one person can break so easily at the first sign of a weakness in the relationship. And, like, that is the thing is, like, they had been engaged for, like, such a short amount of time. He's like, this will never go away. Like, you're it for me. I'm going to make you happy forever. The first time that they're having, like, some issues, he's just like, oh, fuck, I got to go, like, get another girl, I guess. Right. Well, exactly. That is, is, like, on a whole different playing field than just being like, I'm not doing great at communicating right now. Especially when you've committed to someone in this, like, very intense and overt way, and you knew at the time that, like, the show was going to air, that there was going to be this gap. Like, this is all known. And you might not be able to understand how difficult it will be, but it's not like it was a surprise that there would be these kind of hurdles thrown at them, like distance, like having to, you know, Rachel having to do a bunch of press that Tina wasn't included in, like having to watch back the whole thing unfold. Like, 
this was not a surprise. Um, I also, she did clarify again. She says, you know, Tino has his own story and he has the right to tell that. But like, she's like, from me, there was never a point when we were broken up. There was never a point where an engagement was called off. She said, did we have conversations saying we need to focus on dating and we really need to get to to the core of like these issues? Yes. Which seems normal. Yeah. I think that like it's very weird to see it being framed as a like I just don't really understand how you have to be explicit about the fact that you broke up with someone like, like I just a rough patch just, is like, not in, a breakup dating, a week where you're not dating. really talking is not a breakup if you right. are engaged especially <laughs> like if you've been on three tinder dates yes a week I'm not talking like, might if be a you have a fiance and then you you know get in a fight and don't talk for a week I would not assume that like we were broken up this is like fall love in the villa situation <laughs> it's like we're engaged we're not engaged who can t- keep track of these things we don't speak to each other yeah. Um, so she says, basically he was, we weren't broken up. He was upset that we were in a bad place. And instead of sitting there and doing the work, like I did, he ran straight to someone that he was apparently not seeing, but seeing before (laughs) the show. And not only that, keeping it from me for weeks. And so the timeline apparently is that the cheating happened around the premiere and she didn't find out until like around men tell all, which is. It's a while. That's a long time. That's a a month, I believe. Yeah, like a month. I think July. Well, I think July 11th to August 11th is actually a month. Yeah, and she and I think that they're when they filmed the the breakup conversation. It was days after Mental All was filmed. Like she also clarified, which um, did change my perspective a little bit. That the conversation we saw them have was within like 24 hours of her finding out. Oh, so yeah. they had one phone call and then immediately, I guess, she like alerted production yeah. to this and they both agreed like we need to be in person. So it that does make a little bit more sense to me. Like she yeah. she was like, I thought that conversation was going to be him actually just like telling me all the details. And then like it is funny that she thinks he would do that. do that. It is funny that she thinks he would do that on camera. I was like, Rachel. Did you think that getting him together on camera was going (laughs) to result in that? Or, I mean, I understand her perspective for sure, but that was not realistic because. Oh, yeah. And I understand why Tino, frankly, was not like, here is my exact timeline and all the every minutia of the bad things I did. No, it totally puts in context for me why he was like so sweaty and all over the place and why she was so emotional. Right. It like made their um it made their emotional states make more sense to me when I understood that it was really that tight of a of a turnaround. And that they hadn't really fully had this. She was like, we had like started having this conversation and then I was like we should do it in person. I don't I I'm gonna say I know that production wants to film all this stuff. I think that it would have been better for Rachel if she had tried to have I this agree. conversation off camera um, instead I of agree. immediately looping production in. And the hard thing is that you kind of have to if you want to do it in person at this point. And I'm sure she did want to do it in person. And then they were like, we're filming it, you know. <laughs> but I feel like you've, you've got two bad choices here. It, I think it probably would have been better to be like, let's do it over Zoom so that we don't have to 
get roped into an on-camera. Right, bring cameras in because it really understandably had like a real impact on how both of them were acting. Right. In that in that Not that I think he necessarily would have been totally honest because it sounds like he wasn't being honest already. No, but I just think inevitably both of them, and I that doesn't mean I'm like saying they're like acting or like so plotted or planning, but you're just, you're a, trying to account for the audience for production, like for all of the ways in which the conversation might be, be manipulated. Yeah. And I don't think that that is ever going to lend itself to like healthy, open, honest communication. And also I think the way that he was like, was, is there a way that this works out? And it seemed like there wasn't. I do think that like once you're on camera with your cheating fiance, it's very hard to turn that into a conversation where you're forgiving him because you're mm. also very conscious of like, I'm being point. humiliated right now. And yeah. what am I going to do? Just be like, it's okay, sweetie. Like maybe in a more private space, that would be realistic. I don't think she has any obligation to give him another chance personally. No. But like you're setting up a scenario where it's unrealistic for her to guide that conversation towards any sort of reconciliation, even if he handled it well, which he did not and she she does talk to about how like this idea that he like was so brave and came to me to confess because it was the right thing to do is ridiculous because he didn't like he just started saying things that I had to like pull on the thread. Right. And then I finally pulled it out. And then immediately he was like, I wish I didn't tell you don't tell anyone. And that was like his first reaction. And you're like, oh, that's why she's so angry. Right. She's like, I had to force this out from you and then like you didn't say anything that felt appropriate (laughs) right and then she talks about how every time he told her the story about the cheating the story changed she's like first it's a kiss at a party then it's a kiss in an uber on the way to her house where his car is parked where is the story connecting when you're lying you can't keep your story straight I mean, it does seem like, like if you only wow. kissed at a party, you wouldn't accidentally say that you kissed in an Uber. <laughs> and also that there were texts. Like, I, it, like, makes so much sense. Again, yeah. hearing even these little bit of specifics, why she was like, I don't even believe you that this was only a one-time thing. Because it's like, you're not, you're so sketchy. Like, yeah, none of this was was offered the only way that that multiple times like yeah the only way that this sounds like potentially it was only one kiss is if he thought well if i say i kiss someone at a party it will sound more more casual and so i'll just say that and then the real story came out otherwise you're looking at like it happened at least twice Right. I don't know. And it's I could not see, good. I could see it only being one time. But like the point is, and I think this is what Rachel drives home, is like it almost doesn't matter because the way that he handled this was so concerning to her. She's like, you've already proven that you can't be faithful in a fight or in a hard time. And then that he won't be honest about it. So it's like, right. I mean, you know, how are you she supposed also to added, feel secure in a relationship if like well, every exactly. time you're not being your absolute best, most available, perfect partner self you have to immediately You're worry worried. that they're going to go find comfort with right. someone And then else. also that you don't have a basic level of of trust that when the person says that didn't happen. Like, the, right. you're, you are always kind of second-guessing and that puts you in a very bad headspace. And something that I think is also important context is that Rachel was like, I'm a pilot and I'm going back to my job. And right. part of being a pilot is 
having a lot of trust in a relationship because you might have a fight and then have to leave for five days. She's like, that's literally just built into my career. So like she can't be with someone who every time there's space, she or like every time there's a conflict, she has to worry. Right. And like no one can be in that relationship, but it's even like built into being a pilot. Right. Like and that's hard. I don't know if I could deal with that. Like to have a partner on the road that much. That is hard. That brings with it challenges that you need certain relationship skills to navigate. And Tino presented himself as very much having all of those skills. Right. They they did have that conversation. Yeah. Basically, I mean, I think in their first date, she she brought it up multiple times with people with the people she was dating on the show. Constantly. She was like, this has been an issue in relationships. Yeah. This is a huge thing for me. This career is a big thing for me. Would you be able to handle this? And it's like, He's like, it of goes course. back to what we've been talking about the whole season, which is that Tino lives in a delusional state and doesn't have an ability to really be honest about himself yeah. or the situation. And like, that's, he needs, he needs to develop those skills to be frankly in any healthy relationship, but certainly in a relationship with these built in challenges. Yeah. I, you know, I agree. I think uh-huh. if you're, if you're Rachel, like I just, I once you find out that this happened after they really hadn't been together that long. And he would say, like, when they were on after the final rose, like, when it was good, it was so good. At first, it was perfect. And I'm like, well, it was like two months. So, like, how little time of a rough patch did you have before you felt like it was acceptable or understandable for you to? react this way like that shows such a lack of resilience and in how you handle and also in relationship. like also not even just act out in this way but then respond to the th- mistake you made with such poor communication skills with a lack of forthcomingness and honesty it's like that is yeah. that like pile on of like bright red flags yeah where it's like okay you did fuck up in this major way and you can't even own it. You can't respond to it. You don't know how to acknowledge it or like share that information. Yeah. Like it's just, that's this is, this relationship's not going to work. Yeah. And she does say, she does go out of her way to be like, this woman did not know Tino was engaged. And yeah, I appreciate it's it. not she on her. That. She's like, he told me that the moment he kissed her, I did tell her I was engaged. And it's like, that's not the best time to tell a woman you've been texting with and kissing when you're engaged, like after you've gotten things physical, buddy. Um, but I appreciate that she that she pointed that out. And yeah, I did. Again, this is something I really like about Rachel. It felt like in line with the Avon stuff that she was like, I anticipate the the way that certain segments of the audience are going to react. And like, I it is part of my responsibility as like a famous person with this platform. Yeah. Like, to to make sure that everyone knows like yeah. please don't go after this other person and i i thought that was this whole storyline is so important. weird cuz like uh, i don't want tino to get like mentally destroyed by bachelor nation i don't think that's healthy um no but we've been very i think we've been yeah, very i think very we've been very about clear that. about it it is also interesting to me how quickly people got very defensive of him and also being like it was just a kiss and like blah, 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 whatever. 
But I do think that like we have seen people be really hard on like Nate after he and Michelle got engaged based on nothing or like Dumois rumors that he was like seen flirting at a bar like that he couldn't be trusted. And we have like such clear evidence that Tino could not be trusted. And there are people who want to be like, he's such a nice boy. Like it was just a kiss. Like, why is she being so hard on him? And I, I just think that that is also telling of a certain strain of the audience that really wants to believe in its white male heroes and like forgive them and protect them. And that does bother me. Like we have pillory. Including after what we saw as, you know, I would say a pattern of behavior of not being able to confront challenges in an honest way yeah. on the show. Right. Like, like it was so also, obvious. You know, like Rachel, yeah. right. Like Rachel addresses also the feeling of seeing, you know, the scene where Tino was like angry at her for um, yeah. canceling the date and like the parts of that that she didn't see. And like sort of there, there was this entire body of evidence basically, by the time this happened. And then his reaction to it clearly played a huge role in her decision. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not to say that things would have been different if he had responded differently or told her right away, but, like, maybe it it would have. Yeah. Like, it's not just he kissed someone else one time. He's a horrible monster who deserves to be, like, pilloried. Like, that certainly doesn't seem to be Rachel's position. Um, and I also would just caution people on putting the blame of the show's shitty and like questionably humane, like inhumane actions onto Rachel. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's course. not appropriate either. Yeah. And I think we've tried to be clear about that too. Um, yeah. But we should move on because we did already litigate this <laughs> at length. But I wanted to talk oh, a little sorry. bit more about the, the new details. Um, but let's. <laughs> Let's have a little interlude to talk about a very micro piece of Bachelor Nation gossip. Tino's dad, Joe, went on a podcast. Joe Franco's Claire, pod debut. Claire did the Lord's work well, of listening to this pod. I, will I did half I did of not. the Lord's work. I listened to the first <laughs> half and then I was like, I'm getting really bored and it's time to tape this podcast. So I'm going to stop. Um, but I did listen to the first half of it. He went on the honestly unfiltered podcast to share his side of the story and it was an interesting listen uh for the first (laughs) maybe 20 minutes before it starts to get a little meandering so he starts out by basically being like i stand he's like i stand behind what i said and did that's who i am it was like misunderstood basically because people don't know me that was kind of the party line and he explains that he had never watched the show when Tino said that he had been approached to go on it and was interested. But he checked out some old episode descriptions on Hulu and saw that there was travel. And they love travel in his family. So he encouraged Tino to go on the show so he could maybe travel and like go surfing maybe in some cool places. So then I guess he was like pretty aggrieved at hometowns that this whole thing wasn't just free travel and surfing, but like involved a human woman who wanted to date someone and get engaged, which is actually the premise of the show. It's not a free travel and surfing show. (laughs) Like, again, 
fine. Frankly, I think it's fine to go on the show because you're like, maybe I'll see a cool place. I but absolutely like, do too. But but you do have but to like, kind you of have to understand that part of the deal is like this is a hetero marriage show. Right. Do some basic research. Just like right. very basic. I totally understand being like my main motivation going on the show is I probably won't get far, but maybe it'll be a cool experience. Absolutely. I think that's so human and normal. But you do have, I think, an obligation to be aware of the premise of the show and how you might play into that and to not act like it's some sort of like random personal attack (laughs) that at the end there's a woman who's like, I thought this was about me getting engaged because it is about that. That's what she's been told. That's that's what they've been doing on this show for a long time. So (laughs) 20 whole years. (laughs) And then he's like talking about how hometowns went and he's like, you know, Maybe it's just because my friends love me, but they were all messaging me and being like, any parent would be asking these questions. You didn't do anything wrong. Then he's like, I did notice that other parents didn't ask the same questions. So maybe I just didn't know enough about the show. Maybe, I don't know. I was just, I was just concerned for Tino because I know what a genuine person he is. And I thought if he gets caught up in this, for him, it means a lot. If he's going to propose, I think he's going to want to take it all the way. There's a lot to Again, unpack here. The First of all, here was not <laughs> the question. His concern. Also, like, nor was it even like his questions to Tino. Like, nor was it his questions necessarily to. Well, it was some of his questions to Rachel, but like, other parents were asking those questions. They were just asking them, yeah, in a less Aven's aggressive way. <laughs> asked some pretty clear questions and expressed skepticism. It's like. The, the problem here is delivery. And I would say this to a lot of people in a lot of situations. Sometimes you just need to say, what tone am I taking? Yeah. Am I just being a dick right now? Maybe Why am I, I even asking? Maybe I could deliver the <laughs> question in a more sensitive way. Why am I even asking the question if she gives a really good answer and my response is like, nah, blah, blah, blah. like, well, then why did you ask right. if you didn't want a, an answer? Like... That's the problem. Also, like, like, if you're concerned about your son, maybe reserve your harshest comments for a one-on-one conversation with your son and, and not with Rachel. He does say, like, I also said those things to Tino. And, like, he was also a bit harsh with Tino. I don't know if he yes. reserved his harshest questions for Tino. But that also kind of concerned that me. Upset, that upset me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just, I... My opinion is that uh, you're not going to get your adult children to do the things you want them to do by, like, bullying them yeah. into it. Like, exactly. that's just not – I don't think that's very effective. You are speaking to two, two adults, and it's fair to have concerns. And I'm not saying, like, his dad is some horrible monster, and he probably should have, like, done some research and probably. been more thoughtful about – how he was going to come off on a national television show. Yeah. But like, I don't, I don't know. Just be like, yeah, I was I was kind of a dick to well, Rachel. Here, that's the thing. I don't think Tino's dad is a monster. Most people no. are not monsters. He was a dick to Rachel. He was kind of a dick to his son. I think he has the wrong approach to handling these situations as a parent, as the mother of a son <laughs> of a who son. is two. <laughs> I think I'm really qualified to say that. But like, I I I do think that he has good qualities. He seemed to be have a thick skin to be able to laugh about it. He seemed pretty good natured for the most part. 
And he was able to give a little bit of self-critique, especially because the podcast host was like super on his side and he had to even push back on her and be like, well, you know, maybe my tone was a little harsh for national TV. Like maybe I did come. I did feel bad the day after it aired that maybe I had gone delivered it too okay, harshly. Good. good. And to hear that. So there was some self-reflection, but I did think that there yeah. was an element of like the Tino self-delusion quality that was like, do you really think that you're different in this setting? Like most parents are concerned. They just ask the questions differently. Like if most people watching think that you are being rude and, and unkind to Rachel, maybe it's because you were. And just because you act like that in your normal life, maybe people just don't tell you that to your face. You know what I mean? And also the idea that like Tino is this like uniquely sensitive, genuine guy who needed to be protected because he's just so genuine. He'd want to take it all the way and get married if he got engaged. He's the only person in a while that we know has managed to cheat on his bachelorette before the show finished airing. So, like, <laughs> do not expect me to believe that he is just this, like, uniquely passionate about marriage, genuine guy. It's ridiculous. He's just like I mean, the everyone, rest of everyone them. Has, everyone has blind spots about their own Sure, kids, about imagine, their kids. But, but I do think what, what he can't, like, see maybe... And that's just his approach is that, yeah, when you take that approach, that really bullying, harsh approach toward parenting, what you create in Tino and we like see it happening is this like very fragile, bullheaded, like reactive determination to just do it and not having the space to kind of think through whether it's the right thing because you don't want to prove your dad right. Yeah, that's I think that's such an interesting And I think that's really, really right. Uh, I don't know, man. Parenting sounds hard. It does sound hard. And I'm sure that Tino's dad is in many ways a good dad. This did not change my feeling that he and Tino don't have, like, the ideal (laughs) dynamic. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But he clearly loves his son and wants to support him. He talks a little bit about what ends up coming out on the finale, but it was taped before the finale. And so they don't, they only address it in sort of the roundabout right. like the way. The finale was live, so it's not like he right. saw. The rumors were out there. <laughs> they sort of said. lightly address the rumors. And they keep, he keeps using the term <laughs> Ross and Rachel situation. And he says that he doesn't go to the finale because he d- didn't want to be a distraction, which I do think was the right decision. Yeah, I think that's the correct decision. But he says basically like, yeah, this is Tino's thing. He's got to answer for what he's done. I think there's a real reasonable explanation. Hmm. Do, well, if if there is, he doesn't offer it. Yeah. Maybe that explanation Mm. seems reasonable to his parents because they love him. We stand behind him because he's stepping up and taking responsibility. He's accountable. That's the kind of person he is. I do think that saying there's a real reasonable explanation is at odds with being like, I take full accountability. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's... 
I do feel for Tino's parents, like, to watch your I kid mean, yeah. in this position. Like, it's really It's hard, hard. to defend it's... what he did, but he's also really going through it. And I think that's that's a and, big right, parenting you're, you're watching your You're watching your kid suffer on a really, on a national scale. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to hold his dad to, like, having the perfect. Yeah. I don't know. Response, response to that. But. Yeah, I do. I I did appreciate that he he had, I thought a, a pretty chill attitude about how much he was kind of picked apart by people like us who commented on his appearance. <laughs> he was like, "That's you know, he certain things is. people said did bother him for sure." But he was like, "You know, they're gonna pick this the stuff to put on the show that's good for drama, and people are gonna." talk about it that's just how it is and i don't worry too much about it basically you know what good that seems that seems mentally healthy yeah should we should we move on let's um i just very briefly wanted to call out another one of caitlin bristow's really excellent um instagram (laughs) stories that she posted (laughs) after the the finale she says look I don't want this to come across as mean. I know Zach is lovely. His family is lovely. She's like, I met them tonight. She's like, I'm always rooting for people to find love and happiness. Great. Uh, But nobody asked for him to be The Bachelor. I just don't know about this choice. Judging from his interactions with these women last night, it's a no for me, dog. Yeah. (laughs) Same, KB. Same. I, I, I think she just expressed it perfectly. Always rooting for people to find love. Think he seems like a nice guy. It's a no for me. Yeah. I truly don't think anyone was asking for this. And I don't see why we should have to go through it, quite (laughs) frankly. I just, it doesn't seem fair. Um, And I hope that he takes those opportunities from being Bachelor and gets his dad some non-crypto retirement investments. I know. I'm I'm really concerned for (laughs) Zach's dad. I, yeah, same. Um, all right, let's finish up with a just a little That's teeny tiny paradise season eight preview. Just a little, just a little taste. It's hard for me to Ugh. watch the trailers because they're so chaotic, and I get so over- I get like sensory overload. I really tried. I really tried to like slow to like really pause. You're and a hero, do, like, frame by frame. <laughs> um, it took. I spent way too long doing this and still probably gleaned like almost nothing that's that useful. And yet here we are. You do Let's better than me. First. You will always be the person who's like, I can't believe people didn't notice this in the trailer. And I'm like, girl, I didn't notice anything in that trailer. <laughs> I think I've trained myself to just be like, what does it match up? But you know, look, yeah. half the time I just let it wash up. No, you're really good at that. Pay attention. It's an important skill that you bring to the pod, and I love it. So let's start by talking about who will be on the beach that we know of. We never know the full cast in advance, but between a combination of some like spoilers and things people we've seen in teasers and, and also the official, just they spoil release. themselves in so many ways in the promos. Because well, exactly, just, like, less concern. Yeah. yeah. So. I tried to organize these by season roughly chronologically. So from Ben Higgins season and Bachelor in Paradise 3, she is a throwback. It's Lace Morris. I'm very concerned. Who I'm really concerned. Got engaged Lace. to Grant on season three of BIP and they got matching tattoos. And tattoos. Yeah, that didn't end well. 
Oh my God. I do hope she gets another tattoo. Like we have not, it's been a while since someone got an ill-advised on-screen tattoo. If she and got like, another bib tattoo, I think that I would begin to worry that they should not have had her back. <laughs> like that's when you start to be I already like, worry. <laughs> I mean, I would worry that she should have failed like some screenings. So hopefully I guess I hope that won't happen, but it would be exciting. Uh, from Matt season, Brittany, Brittany Galvin, who's one of the girls who came in a little late in the season and then had She some, was also the subject of yeah. Anna Redmond's weird sex worker rumor allegation. Yeah. And yeah, it was a, a mess, but I'm, yeah. I'm actually excited for Brittany no, to get. I have to, been. Like, we'll get to know her. I have been totally understanding if she never wanted to come back on the show, but part of me did want <laughs> yeah. her to get another shot at this to not to have a plot line other than that um katie's season we have andrew s justin michael aaron and james back in action good i mean like good crop they I, just took the all-stars I'm that excited just... for aaron and james but i guess aaron is great for drama i am very excited to see andrew and justin and michael I, I am just, a little I'm, annoyed. I really like all three I of them. wish that I know Michael didn't want to do One Bachelor. I wish that they had yeah. taken Justin and Andrew for for Bachelor, but it is what it is. I am excited to see them again. From Michelle's season, we have Casey, Brandon, and Romeo. As we know, Casey won't be there long because he apparently like shatters his ankle. Yeah, which look, they did really milk that with the ambulance shots and the promos it's funny because we all know what happened because he was back on instagram with like a giant cast <laughs> yeah like he was very injured yeah like, <laughs> um yeah from i i am interested brandon seems like he'll be like a big romantic hero which yeah. i another love. person they could have saved for bachelorette i am oh but no one asked i me. i know they could he really would have been a i think he would have been a fantastic bachelor um if they're but gonna I, cast I do, a young earnest guy who just wants to find love please cast brandon and not zach he has personality uh i'm disappointed but i do i do think he's gonna like really thrive on paradise yeah. Also excited to see um, our bud Romeo. Yeah, yeah. Who didn't really? I have never really met get Romeo, a lot. Emma's bud oh, you've Romeo. Not met, I never meet anyone because I live Romeo. in Jersey City and I can't you leave the house Jersey after five. Uh, um, yeah, from, I I did meet Romeo through through Charlene, and he is. Uh, I it seems like he's going to be involved in some drama. I have already warned him that I will be dunking on him ruthlessly um, if and when he deserves it. Just so. a little bit of Ruth for our friends. Yeah. Clayton's season, we have Haley, who I was so touched to see that her intense social media campaign to still be on Paradise, even though she was a night one girl, really paid off. You know what? I love to see some night one people just getting that second She was bootstrapping. She was out here making TikToks, making reels, being like, oh, it's just me, the girl who was on The Bachelor. And it worked. And I respect the hustle. Teddy... Of course, Clayton's like early front runner that things just sort of fell apart with, but she's pretty excited for Teddy. So cute. Uh, Serene, Shanae. Another fave. Shanae, yeah, not Shanae's, a fave. <laughs> Shanae is clearly going to be a big part of this season. Yeah. Obviously, they had to bring back Shanae and Genevieve so they can fight again. I believe Elizabeth said she declined. Yeah. Which, fair enough. 
Jill, Sierra, Kira, and Hunter are all joining the cast. Oh, and uh, and Kate Gallivan. Oh, nice. I missed that. Um, this is why Emma should put together these docs. She's she's a later arrival, but I saw her in multiple trailers. Oh, okay, so. yeah, because you were you were yeah. scouring those. Mm-hmm. Um, Kira's gonna be interesting. Kira already on The Bachelor came off as almost too poised and professional to be on The Bachelor, and Bip is so messy. And whenever I see her in a trailer, I'm just like, what is she doing there? You're like, this doesn't fit. <laughs> like you should be like wearing a suit in a hospital. <laughs> She's a physician. She just like yeah. really seems like she has her shit together. I'm like, I why? Know. Girl, save yourself. Um, from Gachel's season, of course, Logan taking I his mean. taking his lady switching talents to the beach. Oh God. <laughs> it's his Logan it's where he should like be. He makes out with literally everyone. It's what he does. And also cries. It's like he's gonna like he's perfect. He was he was made. He was made for paradise. He was. He must have been like watching the reaction to him switching from Rachel to Gavin, being like, "Oh my god!" And then oh, I no. did all that shit on them. Uh, so that's going to be a lot. Jacob, who I just don't really care for, um, uh, and he will. He 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 does seem. They're trying to frame him like the Kenny. Like he, I saw in a trailer that he like arrives naked. I'm like, but. Well, I didn't like I it. Don't, Listen, I didn't like it when Kenny yeah. did it either. I'm not even going to be like it was good when Kenny did it. I didn't like no, it. No, it was bad when <laughs> Kenny did it. But I think just like Kenny had more redeeming qualities than Jacob. So like. Yeah, well, we'll frankly. see. Maybe he'll do a do a face turn this, this season. Yeah. Johnny, uh, of course, as we all know, went right from being dumped I mean. to the beach. Hayden, Joey, and <sighs> Justin, the twins. Like we didn't need Hayden to be there. They just love say. getting a villain back. It just makes me so mad that, like, that they got him on the... this, but they didn't get him on the mental all. I wanted him on mental all. I don't want him here. Right. It feels really weird that he was not forced to answer for the <laughs> shit, but they did cast him. <laughs> it is sort of on. funny, though, that we're always like, mental health, don't trap contestants and make them answer to things. And, then and, like, and then we're like, them. they should have frog marched Hayden onto that stage. <laughs> I mean, look, there's a way to do it. I think that There's if they wanted him it. on Paradise, they should have made it contingent on Mentel All. Yeah. I, I would be fine with him not doing Paradise and him never being on the <laughs> exactly, show. Exactly. Exactly. And if he can't, and if he feels he can't handle answering to things on Mentel All, I don't want their, them, them to coerce that. But he should have answered. But then for just it. like simply don't show up on like an adult paradise. I will say, I will say from the trailers, he doesn't seem to be a major player at all. Who so can, would know, want comfort him in that? Is my question. Except for his ex, who now knows that she is more desirable than both bachelorettes. <laughs> and maybe that won her <laughs> oh, over. God. Who makes out um, from what Emma could see in these trailers? I, <laughs> a lot of people. It's chaotic. <laughs> it's very chaotic. A lot of people making out, obviously. This isn't to say that any of them had more than, like, one date. As we know, there's a lot of making out, and most of it goes nowhere. But here's here's what I could see. Teddy and Andrew, which I think people were predicting. They both had expressed interest. They definitely make out. Jacob and a blonde, which, like, frankly, I couldn't tell i'm pretty sure i saw jacob and shanae together at some point but i also think i saw jacob and kate maybe it's both of them then i definitely saw him with shanae 
Okay. Well, in this particular shot, I couldn't tell if he was making out with Kate or Shanae, but he'll probably make out with both. Um, we also see Jacob and Jill together. Uh, Johnny and Victoria. Jill, don't. <laughs> I know. Jill deserves better. I am interested. I think it's telling when you only see someone like making out with one person. Oh, you only and in the trailers, saw. I only saw Johnny and Victoria with each other, I believe. And like same actually for Serena and Brandon, I think. Um, so I would say those two are couples, couples to watch. Also saw Logan and Shanae. Like Shanae is definitely getting out there. Uh, yeah, like a lot there. of Jacob's Shanae definitely on getting out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I saw Shanae on a date with Olu, but did not see them making out. So oh, Olu's going to be there. I didn't yes, have Olu Olu's going to the be there. I, I didn't. Right. I, I forgot to add him. Um, love Olu. So excited by that. Aaron and Genevieve are going to make out. James and Shanae are going to make out. Logan and Sarah. Oh, Sarah Emmerich also. Oh, was Sarah. Not on our, from our Clayton list. season. <laughs> we're we're yes. editing in real and, time. And also NC. And NC, yeah. Sarah and NC as well. Yeah. Um, oh, and Eliza. Yes, Logan and Sarah oh and Eliza. It's like everyone from Clayton's season. Yes. Well, it's the latest one. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, also, Tyler and Shanae made out. Okay. <laughs> Shanae, I mean, you know, Tyler and Shanae. <laughs> yeah, Serena and Brandon, as I said, Justin and Eliza. Mm. Um, but also, also Rodney and Eliza. Mm, Interesting. Logan and Kate Gallivan, Andrew and NC. I had, and I, Andrew and someone that I believe was Brittany Galvin. It, it was a little hard to tell, but I'm pretty sure it was Brittany. Oh, my gosh. A lot of action. A lot of mouth action. I also was trying to kind of write in other observations I made from the trailer. Um, it's clear that though we know Jill has some sort of relationship with Jacob, she and Romeo get in a fight. Take with, you know. Interesting. So okay. maybe there was some sort of romantic tension there. Um, Eliza... Seems to imply that she goes through two breakups in one day. She says she's gotten her heart broken twice in one day. Aww. So I'm worried because Sometimes, we did though, only see in the people say that they got their heart and broken. That it means nothing. You don't know. Sometimes it doesn't mean they got dumped or whatever. Sometimes it just means that like they found out something that upset them. Right. They had a <laughs> or, hard conversation. <laughs> right. And then it's like fine the next day. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Well, I'm hopeful we'll that see. Eliza finds some some happiness. I like Eliza. Yeah. A- me too. A big thing that is teased is that, is that there's like a big twist halfway through the season. Um, it seems like the women who were there all have to leave at once and new women are brought in to date the men. This is seems similar to, to something that I think happens on Love Island called Casa Amor, where they will like split established couples up and bring in new people and, like, sort of test the relationships. Yeah. Um, but something that seemed fucked up about this to me is, like, I didn't see any evidence that the women who had to leave were then, like, given new men to right. test out their relationships. It seems like it they seems just like get, like, moved like to just, a hotel. Yeah, they just get moved away and they're, like, 
emotionally tortured and like, not a fan crying i truly wonder <laughs> if that was inspired by the forced evacuation last year and the fact that some like drama happened as a result of them all being in the hotel for a day oh, a night or two and if they were like what if we like engineered an evacuation and they're like and what if it's some... an evacuation and casa amor mashup right i feel like that was probably they love to take I, these I emergency say... moments and iterate on them <laughs> but i will say i support the any property in the bachelor franchise being willing to experiment with form and twists and i'm not sure if i'll like this one but I like think i'll like this one try to iterate also try to i iterate. think that they need to understand that what i want from bachelor in paradise is for everyone to immediately meet the perfect person for them and just <laughs> hang out on the beach for a few weeks making out <laughs> like whenever someone comes in and, and a couple breaks up i just feel sick yeah, i know i'm I like know. i want there to be no weak. drama <laughs> We're weak. We're we just weak. want love. Yeah. So, so it seems like there's there is a lot of uh, of new stuff that's going to happen, and I'm just hoping that the women also get their their new men moment. Uh, we, yeah, we just, I will say Rodney and Lace seem to be an early couple because when Jesse comes in to do the twist, Rodney and Lace are sitting right next to each other. It seems sort of like coupled, and Jill and Jacob too. And, like, the women look stricken. Yeah. So, and then it looks like Eliza maybe comes in at that twist. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Um, also, the only drama we see from Brandon, this really made me love him, is that he's crying to someone who it seems like serene because he doesn't want to keep watching his friends go through this pain, whatever he's referring to. I was like, oh, sweet Brandon. Brandon, I love you. Our empathetic king. <laughs> yeah. So we, we foresee a lot of mess. I'm very excited right now. I know that like by week three, I'm going to be like, I hate this franchise. Get me out of here. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's how it, it always seems time. to go. We always enter with such uh, enthusiasm, but paradise typically is the most fun and least traumatizing to me as a recapper. I don't know how yes. it feels for the contestants, but for me, it feels the least traumatizing. But and, this is about us. And so. I can only speak to my own experience. Um, I know that every element of the franchise can definitely inflict a lot of trauma and pain on the contestants. So I don't want to take away from, from that, but I'm hoping that it will be a fun watch and that we can have just a fun summary fall just a little beach fall yeah, beach play uh, that, yeah exactly yeah something to look forward to it starts super soon just a few days no break no yeah rest. we will see you back <laughs> here soon to see if any of our predictions yeah. or any of the stills that i examined on these promos if if i had the correct reading of them um i'm sure i was fooled like 12 times <laughs> Give yourself more credit. Thank you, Claire. I, I appreciate that. On that note, that's it for Love to See It with Emma and Claire. Love to See It is produced by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray, and Stitcher. This episode was edited by Tamika Weatherspoon. Our theme music is by Tamar Habib, and our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. If you like our show, please follow us wherever you get your podcasts and rate us five stars and leave a review. And of course, tell all your friends about our show. It really helps new people find us. 
If you want to get in touch, you can email us at claireandemmapod at gmail.com with your questions and voice memos. You can also find us on Twitter and TikTok at Love to See It Pod and Instagram at Claire and Emma Pod. And you can find our newsletter, Rich Text, on Substack at claireandemma.substack.com. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at Claire E. Fallon. And I'm at Emma Lady Rose. We'll be back next week for Paradise. Stitcher. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan-favorite sale on Ben & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.